I don't even like for our B-roll to escape. <laughs> I'm recording. We have so little content. <laughs> Wish you oh. would suck on my big dick, my friend. <laughs> Cut ties with all the guys that you've been sucking on. <laughs> <laughs> That classic sound check we all know and love. Um, oh. Uh, well, I'm recording. Yeah, I seem to be. I'm recording now, too. Y'all know, y'all remember that show Early Edition? Uh, on About the guy that got tomorrow's paper today. What? It was that sh- it's like a show in the 90s that a guy got like tomorrow's paper today so like he got like the winning lottery numbers and all that shit like a day early sort of like how on back to the future i was about to say you mean back to the future <laughs> marty mcfly well, yeah the that same concept but yeah early edition was a short-lived i think cbs show well when you subscribe to the mountain eagle it's late edition i get <laughs> i get last week's paper <laughs> exactly a week, a week to the day <laughs> late <laughs> Honestly, in 2020, it probably isn't bad to live in the past. Nah, I'm not mad at it. I'm just L- live a week ago. Not that I would ever take up for the Mountain Eagle. Well, That's we know true. You have a, you have a long-standing beef, Tanya. But I, I don't mind getting my news a week late. I just, you know, the only unsettling thing is, is I'm here thinking that, man, we only got 12 COVID-19 cases, but in reality, we got 40 something now. Yeah. Well, you make a good point, Tanya. It's um, if you are a week behind, the news that you read is always going to be better than the news you read in the present. In 2020, that's how it is. Yeah, <laughs> every day is worse than yesterday. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess that's how a pandemic works until you're over it. But I mean. For the past week, I've been f- pretty convinced that the U.S. will never be beyond this, and every other country will move on, and we'll never be able to travel abroad again, and we will forever uh, be wearing masks and not touching each other, at least for the next five years. Or we'll all be... I, I mean, it's probably going to be some version of this. Like, it's just going to be a worse flu from now on or something, you know? Like there's always going to be a COVID season or it's just always going to be like, well, yeah, just cut me I, off. I got please. some good and bad news. We'll take, we'll take only the good news. Which one you want first? The good news? Only that. I don't want the bad news at all. Okay. Well, the good news is the Russians are developing their vaccine in two weeks, but skipping some of the usual safety protocols, I'm told. Shocker. Any vaccine we get is going to be skipping some safety protocols, we can all guarantee. Bad news is, Tanya, I'll just go ahead and give it to you, is that we're going to continue to see a rise in uh, all sorts of zoonotic illnesses and also illnesses not endemic to certain places becoming endemic in other places where they typically wouldn't be because of changing climate patterns. Just take one look at the uh, weather events of 546 to... Wait, what was that? (laughs) 
I believe it was 535 to 536. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later, though. But, yeah. <laughs> Point is, this shit ain't letting up. Yeah. If it ain't COVID, it's going to be something fucking else. Yeah. Yeah. If it ain't one thing, it's a goddamn another. It is weird that as long as we've been strapped into the environmental movement, plagues were never something we were telling people could be a result of climate change. Probably should have mentioned that 10, 20 years ago. Well, I've been fascinated uh, in it. When, first time I went to New Orleans a couple of years ago, I was reading up about, like, uh, they have a, uh, a center. I don't know if it's through LSU or Tulane or something that studies basically like tropical illnesses and sort of things that from that typically you'd find like in you know South America or the Caribbean that have gradually made their way up to southern United States Chagas disease is one of them that's pretty nasty it's a a mosquito borne thing that gets into <laughs> your heart and fucks it up that, that's what they think Charles oh, Darwin died of oh really um, yeah. Well, wow. I, I think the extreme weather events of 535 and 536 AD were caused by volcanoes, um, which is um, a player in the ecological game that we haven't really heard from in some time. Yeah, you volcanoes, know? man, just kind of been keeping their head down a little bit lately, haven't they? Thank God. The world hasn't busted a good nut. In a long time. When's... <laughs> you think that'd be good or bad for us? Like, you think if we just had one volcano just go ahead and blow, that everything would kind of line itself out because... Releases are usually good. I don't know about when it comes to the Earth, but with most species, a release is usually a good thing. Blowing a load, highly recommend. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ancient history... Um, I was thinking the other day. Do what? <laughs> Nothing. Me. I'm ancient history. You are ancient history. Over. You've been chewed up and spit out and booed off stage, haven't you, Tanya? All three in unison. <laughs> I was thinking the other day. What if, by like some quirk of history? That things get so bad and intense that, you know, most of the world's architectural and infrastructural features are razed and destroyed. But one of the few things remaining is Trump Tower. And so in like 4,000 years, future civilizations will be like, wow, this great monument to human ingenuity and architectural prowess and greatness. Like, they would have no idea. And so then it got me thinking, like, well, maybe the person who built the great sphinx in egypt was the donald trump of his day and today we're all just like wow this is great this is incredible (laughs) that's a good point man maybe there was some industrious egyptian guy that probably rose unexpectedly to the upper echelon of egyptian politics wait (laughs) 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 never mind <laughs> this did, did he like talk like Trump at least? <laughs> great, this we got is, great harvest. Like, it's going to be like a big dog's head with like that headdress <laughs> that the king wears, and it's just going to be like on all fours, like a 
like a lion. Sarcophagus, <laughs> folks. My sarcophagus is gonna be. Cr- I'm gonna be buried with twenty concubines. <laughs> All the beautiful lapis lazuli and gems you can imagine. Lapis lazuli. <laughs> oh my god. I was. I just, <laughs> it's funny because the only, the only thing I've ever heard that in reference to is King Tut's sarcophagus is lapis lazuli or lazuli. <laughs> however you say. It. That's what you wanted back in the day. If you had, if you. We're the one guy on the block with lapis lazuli. I don't know how you say it. People were like, they took note. Man, <laughs> that's a man of respect. <laughs> yeah. Oh. One thing I did love about the Egyptians is like they all booby trapped their fucking tomb sites. <laughs> like that's what I want. When I die, I want to like rig up to like if you come to fuck with me, you get pocket sand in the eyes. <laughs> Show knives up to come piss up on Tom's grave. Yeah, you get electrocuted. Knives shoot up and just cut your Achilles tendons. Come <laughs> 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 yeah. shoot you right in the prostate. You come fuck with me, you get to experience the pain I felt while I walked this mortal mortal coil. <laughs> oh my god! Just get a knife right, right in the gooch. You get a scope up your urethra. <laughs> oh lord. Mm-hmm. Well. Welcome to the Tribillies show for the week of July 30th, 2020. I am your host, Terrence Ray, uh, joined by my other hosts, Tom Sexton and Tanya Turner. Uh, I like We're the getting episode formal you, with like our government, e- full government names. That's right. I like the episode you guys did last week without me. I was oh, thanks. writhing in pain on the couch. From tell tell us about it. We love to, we love to banter in your misery. Yeah. Uh, well, I had to have a cystoscopy done, which if your doctor ever mentions that word to you, run away and don't ever talk to them again. <laughs> At least explore every other treatment option before you go there. Um, it sucked pretty bad. It did they prep? Did they prepare you to be in unbelievable discomfort? Did they tell you that's what was going to happen? They played it down. I don't, I think they didn't uh-huh. want to scare me out of there. They were like, "It's going to be a little uncomfortable." <laughs> Granted, <laughs> they didn't mention that I'd be pissing blood and that it would feel like razor blades every time I'd piss. For just days. walking into a doctor's office is a little uncomfortable. Yeah, just being there physically. Well, you know, I mean, I sat next to a guy, I told Tom, I sat next to a, an old man who held his piss bag in his hand as it oh, wow. trailed the catheter tube up to his upper shorts. And and I thought, you know, like, uh, life is ultimately all pain and misery. <laughs> and there, And the greater thing about it is that there's no purpose. There's no larger existential purpose for the pain and misery. It just is. You, you know, you like to think and tell yourself, like, oh, this will make me a stronger person. This will make me a better person. But no. It just, just hastens what's what the inevitable. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, except it doesn't work like that. It makes you... Not. Makes you riddled with trauma and regret <laughs> and, and doubt. Yeah. And in the ancient world, syphilis. <laughs> or not the not, or the not so ancient world <laughs> yeah um but anyways that was my that was my week last week uh and then i was kind of depressed and didn't want to do the show at all 
Shocker. And, and thought about quitting it entirely. And then I read in the Bitter Southerner that, oh, I said I'd be doing this until I was literally dead. And I was like, oh. I saw so that he's too, just meeting like, his contractual I, obligations here. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot fathom that you said that. I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, me. multiple times I read something, I just stop and look, just gaze off into the distance, like, what the hell's wrong with us? Sometimes. <laughs> I, I fully, I know Kanye's a dumbass, but I fully <laughs> empathize with him sometimes because sometimes you get on one and you just keep going and before long you're saying shit that you don't even believe in. You just, Matt, that's true. You just get down the road. It gets away from you. <laughs> yeah. Every episode of Trillbillies is what you just described. After 10 minutes in, we're just on one and we can't stop and the train's rolling and we're crashing and we know it, but that's right. here we are. Yeah. The momentum's behind us. What are we going to do? But now we got all these new listeners tuned in. Hi. Good luck. <laughs> all seven of you. <laughs> um, Welcome. But no, I really did consider finally ending this miserable bus ride that we've been on since early 2017. And I'll tell you why. Because when this pandemic first started, like, I was like every episode, every week, we were like, taking all the news items from the week and trying to condense it down into like a, a sort of we tried to, we were trying to contextualize it and trying to make it make sense for people because things were insane starting in March and you know trying to make things make sense for ourselves yes. we often are talking through things just in real time it's not you know when it's not like we decide we're going to talk through this thing we just it's not need. prescriptive so much as it's we just need it yeah but then I realized that at a certain point, and I can't really pinpoint when exactly it happened. I'm going to say maybe late June. I'm just throwing that out there. Things, in the words of Tom Sexton, quite literally got away from us. <laughs> I, I realized that there was no point any longer in trying to make sense of anything. That it was like, it was like kind of like, here's the metaphor I came up with. It's kind of like after you've been drinking all day. Like, and so in the very early stages of the day, you, while you're still relatively sober, you can kind of like attach a narrative uh, structure and coherence to events as they occur and developments as they occur. But by the end of the day, while, while you're like browning out and blacking out, there's no coherence to anything anymore at all. And and it's just mass confusion, and that and I feel like that's where we got to, a few weeks ago. It's just like blacking out every day. I'm like literally, and metaphorically, because I heard a story the other day about how like liquor sales are like astronomically through the roof since this happened. So, like, uh, we, you know, we we've we really have been broken spiritually, as well as uh, emotionally and mentally. In all the other and ways. now that's not going to change now with the loss of Herman Cain. <laughs> y'all see? Did y'all see Trump's tweet eulogizing him? No, no I didn't. Did, did he take? Can I, let me read this to you. Let me read this to you. <clears throat> My friend Herman Cain, a powerful voice of freedom and all that is good, passed away this morning. Herman had an incredible career and was adored by everyone that ever met him, especially me. He was a very special man, an American patriot, and a great friend. I just got off. Dot dot dot. What? 
he left it hanging like there was another tweet to come. He never. But it just it just reads like he just nutted, <laughs> thinking about his friend Herman Cain's life. He and literally career. said, "I just got off." Yes. Oh my god. Look at this. Listen, folks, we're gonna bury him. <gasps> With lapis lazuli in the sarcophagus. <laughs> the Grunga barium in the great sarcophagus, folks. I just got off. Dot, dot, dot. I just got off. Oh, my God. He's going to ride this with... Inc- Tom, I would have loved to have seen your face when you first read that. <laughs> well, I didn't know there was a second part, and I was like... <laughs> Amazing. We're going to booby trap his grave, folks. <laughs> We're going to surround it with DiGiorno pizza. You're not getting anywhere near his body. He's going to rise with the stallions in the heavens now. <laughs> like, yeah. Try to mess with my friend Herman's sarcophagus. What was Herman Cain's th- uh, when he ran for... Pre- nine, well, he was the 999 guy, right? Yeah, I was trying to remember this morning. What year did he run? Was it 2008? No, it was 2012. He was going to... He was yeah. challenging Romney for the Republican nomination, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And his big, his big initiative was the 999 flat tax. The 999 flat tax. Everybody's paying 9%. And I think it was based on, like, the Domino's 5 for 5 for 5. He's a pizza guy. Like, he owns his own pizza chain. It was a 9% personal income tax, 9% federal sales tax, and a 9% corporate tax. (laughs) 999 flat, folks. The replacement of all taxes with just those three taxes. (laughs) Well, corporations would end up paying more than they are now. That's there's should be least, should be fine. That. Oh man! Well, rest in peace. He's not the only high-profile conservative that died from coronavirus this week. The uh, the founder of TPUSA, to, uh, Turning Point USA, is that what it is? Toilet yeah. paper UPS USA um, died from coronavirus as well. Um, I don't know, man. It's was he also at the Tulsa rally? <laughs> Herman Cain basically got sick after the Tulsa rally, right? That's the theory. I mean, he's he was there. He was hospitalized. Not, not long after that, right? Like a week two or two weeks. Yeah, he's been in the hospital for like a month. Less than two weeks later, he was hospitalized. And it's a, what is it, a 14-day? Yeah, I mean, basically Incubation he had. Period, yeah. that's, in all likelihood... Unless he had gathered after that with another 100,000 people. I don't know. How many people were there? 20,000? I, th- I think it was like... <laughs> they said 20,000, but everybody says it's more like six. Uh, well, still. I wonder how many people... Like, w- Of course, we will hear about Herman Cain dying, but how many dumb... How many people at that Tulsa rally are dead now that we don't even know about? I'd be interested to know just by a head count... How many people died that also, how many people have died since attending that Tulsa rally? And I don't mean that like in a ha 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 let's scoff at somebody's death kind of way. I would just be interested to like just to know. I mean it's awful. It's like it's like thinking about how many people have died from drinking bleach. This is like literally death because of following the president. I was looking at the the death toll for vietnam last night because me and terrence were just talking about like basically for those killed in action not talking about like vietnamese uh citizens or Viet Cong or anybody oh, else just, you mean the war 
Yeah, you don't just mean straight COVID because they're doing soldiers. great with COVID. Mostly, they don't have any more. They they got one new case and evacuated an entire city. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the yeah the war, not yeah. Vietnam itself. Okay. Uh, but basically, we've lost is we've lost triple the amount of U.S. soldiers that were killed in action in Vietnam to COVID nineteen in just what six months, seven months, whatever it's been. The last stat I saw was like, this is the equivalent of a plane crashing and killing everyone in it like three times a week or something. Well, it's it's going to become like smoking cigarettes or environmental pollution. It's just eventually it's going to just become another one of those things you have to accept to be an American. Like, here's the thing, Tanya, like you're worried about borders being closed they'll they'll order. They'll everything will open back up once everybody just gets on page with the fact that like, oh, we're just going to have to accept about 200,000 extra deaths every year from this thing. And then everybody's like, okay. And then we'll just, you know, place it right back there up on the shelf with every other part that makes it like this gruesome, violent terror to be an American. <laughs> yeah. It's... We can't do it. We're not doing anything about it. We can't do shit about it. Like, like I tried to go get tested yesterday for COVID. And it's, they're just like, do you have any symptoms? And I was like, I was just here a month ago, and I got a test. They're like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Sorry. <laughs> oh, the same thing happened to me last week, and I had just gotten tested four days before that. Y'all don't know how to get health care in this country. You got to hustle them. You got to say, yeah, man, goddamn, I've been coughing like a damn. Well, now I know. Next time I go, I was going every week and getting tested. Tell them you can't smell or taste anything. I can't Why prove that. Why wouldn't we? Shouldn't we get tested every week? Like, isn't that what everyone should do just responsibly? Like, if, if you have to leave the house, you just go get tested? Well, yeah, like, I guess if you're going to be around other people, yeah. Well, it's like I have to go to the grocery store. You know what I mean? There's like, I don't know a way to fully, like, I live in a place, I can't have things delivered to my house. Like, I can't get, you know what I mean? Just like. I'm I mean, going I don't back. think you should get tested every time you go to the grocery store but like you know at a decent interval i guess i'm going back to march level quarantine i think i really am yeah we've been talking about it too it's fucking it's too bad it's like it just keeps getting worse but and it's getting worse in tennessee where my family is they like want me to come visit i'm like i just can't anymore we can't do this it's just really bad but uh, um but our very own uh, opposition candidate to Mitch McConnell, Amy McGrath, was in Whitesburg over the, uh, or I guess, what day was that? Tuesday, maybe? Um, Monday or Tuesday. And she got a goddamn test. Yeah. She got a fucking goddamn test. While she was here? Yeah, she got, it's on the news, it's in the newspaper. She got tested in Whitesburg. She got a fucking test, man. I, that's my her. test. I want that goddamn test. That's no, so fucking, dude. Imagine you're a Senate candidate. And you come to a poor place that's like has very little healthcare resources, and you're gonna take up a test. <laughs> Everything she is she's a, maniacal. I've I've come around on Amy McGrath. I think she rocks. <laughs> Whatever. I thought I imagined her while she was in town driving past your house. And, like, throwing her fist out, like, yeah, because you got that McGrath sign out in your front yard. Uh, yeah, just... She blowed her horn as she passed your house in support. Just just a disclaimer for the audience. The, my landlord's put that there, and it's not mine. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever helps you sleep, pal. <laughs> 
She um, she rocks though. I mean, really though, maybe I can splice in an interview from her, but she has such a Will Ferrell quality to her, like vibe to her. She's a tall, goofy motherfucker, and she even sounds like Will Ferrell. Um, she sounds really robotic. I guess it's the military training. I don't really know, but she does sound like a robot. Well, or maybe it's the polit like politics training. Hell, I don't know. Well, I was thinking about this, and I thought like, because I've already got friends who are like, oh, fuck it. All right, we're just gonna have to suck it up and vote for Amy McGrath and Joe Biden. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to do it any more than you do, but it's the best form of harm reduction we've got. And so I was like, okay, all right, I will vote for Amy McGrath under one condition. This is this it. This is, good. this is my one condition. Uh, new listeners to the show may be unfamiliar <laughs> with this concept, but it's called the devil's milkshake, and it's... And it's when a politician, as a PR stunt of some kind, publicity stunt, will uh, imbibe, eat, I- inject, snort, whatever. Uh, keep going. I'm sorry. I got a question about this. Though. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, a a toxic substance. Um, or a pollutant, or some some kind. The classic example would be like Obama drinking the Flint water. That's the that's classic example of the devil's milkshake. They have yeah. to prove that they are willing to live as low as their constituents <laughs> for fifteen. So seconds. I got a question. I got a question. What is COVID trutherism? The <laughs> Ultimate example of the devil's milkshake. She has to get COVID. She and then we'll vote for her. Like, did Herman Cain meet his end by a devil's milkshake? <laughs> well, if he did it as oh, a publicity God. thing, like I'm going to drink this big glass of COVID, then yeah, that's devil's well. But milkshake. technically, showing up to Trump's rally in Tulsa yeah. in the middle of a pandemic, maskless, would that be? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, a mask, mask. Mask non-compliance, in my mind, is the, is a form of devil's milkshake. Is what I'm arguing. Yeah. Agree or disagree? See, see I, as the progenitor of this term and concept, I think that the the I think it has to apply to it has to be progressive facing. Does that make sense? So, like for example, it has to Say be more. it has to be a politician trying to cur. Uh, gain legitimacy with their constituency over something real they're experiencing. Whereas... Okay, okay. So Herman Cain's mask trutherism might not be the devil's milkshake, but Louis Gomer's might be. Tell me, remind me, give me the broad strokes of that one. Well, he just never wore a mask and now he's got COVID-19, the Texas representative. See, for me, it has to be, for me, it has to be a... More active than passive? No, it has to be... not wearing a mask is passive? It has to be be an attempt to foreclose on some kind of justice or, or reparations or retro, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it has to be an attempt to foreclose on that. So, 
not wearing a mask and getting COVID wouldn't be a devil's milkshake, but like snorting a line of like crystallized, isolated COVID virus would be the devil's milkshake. <laughs> the, it has to be something that affects. I don't know. That doesn't seem one hundred fifty thousand deaths, man. What else? What else is affecting constituents right now? I'm struggling to define this, but COVID is a conspiracy, or I mean, not like actually, but for them. <laughs> he's coming around now. <laughs> I, I love the message. Five minutes ago, he said, "I'm going to uh, March levels of lockdown," and now he had a Freudian slip of COVID a conspiracy. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. All right, just because I'm too lazy to articulate why you're incorrect, I'll let it fly, but just keep in mind... Okay, well then, you owe me one of those later down the road, okay? (laughs) If Tom's getting a a slip, I do too. Tanya, you You have no idea. Yeah, you have no idea how many slips I've given you. Just not told you. Give you a lifetime allotment. You never told you. He had to stop keeping count. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So the devil's milkshake. So the devil's milkshake. All right. And if you want to l- learn more, there's pe- previous episodes. I think there's one called literally the devil's milkshake. So I've muddied like the waters too. here, but yes. Anyways, um, Amy McGrath. If she wants my support and the support of the Tribilly Nation. She has to drink the ultimate Kentucky Devil's Milkshake. And so there's a few ingredients to the ultimate Kentucky Devil's Milkshake. And these are mine. Yeah, I've got some. And you might have some, too. You know, imagine this to be one of those cooking shows where, like, there's a panel. We all bring our favorite ingredients. Yes, yeah, there's a panel of, like, five judges, and we all make our own cocktail and, um, you know, a British chef's like, this is shot. Get it out of my fucking sight. I don't want to say it. Um, but, but instead of food, it's the devil's milkshake. Okay. So here's mine. Here's mine. And you can have your own. I mean, obviously, the baseline for all this is going to be like, you know, like the, uh, the tonic water ingredient is going to be mine runoff. Right, I mean, because every Kentucky Devil's Milkshake cocktail is going to have a little bit of mine runoff. Right. Yeah. So I've got mine runoff. Um, nuclear waste from the Paducah nuke plant. Um, nerve gas. Just drop a little bit of nerve gas in there from the Bluegrass Army Depot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And there is a black sort of fungus um, pollutant called Baudonia and it's a byproduct of whiskey distillation. Yeah, it's the fungus that gets on people's houses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then you put that in there and you crush it up you know, with the pistol or whatever it's fucking called. Pestle. (laughs) With the pistol. No, pistol in Amy's case. The man... (laughs) Yeah, you should. <laughs> this man is not a witch. Now we know. <laughs> What's it called, Tanya? Uh, pestle and pestle. mortar. <laughs> okay. 
Um, all right. I have. So that's an mine. That's mine. I'm putting it okay. in front of the panel. All right. Okay. All right. Well, this is shit. Get it out of here. No, I just want to add to it. It's good. This is a good base. You got a good start. Okay. I think we also have to add um, water, drinking water that has been polluted with an actual gas well. <laughs> Fracking fluid. Fracking, Fracking fluid. Fracking fluid. Why didn't I think of that one? Peak Wattsburg water with diesel in it <laughs> from diesel spill. And my third is like the worst food from a state prison, from one of our prisons. Okay, fair enough. You have to mash in some prison bologna. Got it. I, I, like, I like that. All right. All good. And for good measure, we'll throw in an expired rape kit. <laughs> a backlogged rape kit. All right. I don't even know what's in that. Not but. edible, I don't think, but we'll take it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> All right. Let's see. So I think I'll go a classic route. Right? I think I'll just start with some classic acid mine drainage, orange runoff water. Good. Okay. I'm yeah. just going to get something from every region, from the east, west, southern part, and the northern part. Got so it, you're okay. you're creating original. I was just adding to Terrence's. Are you adding or are you just creating your own new one? We got a whole new devil's milkshake coming. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. It is so a competition some, after all. Then we'll taste test, I guess. Yeah. I'd take some acid from Eastern Kentucky. I'd take some acid mine drainage, okay? From the southern part of Kentucky, I would take some water from Hal Rogers Water Park. <laughs> that they built there in Whitley County. Got some, got some good brain-eating uh, amoebas, amoebas in, in there. there. Yeah, yeah. definitely fecal. Fecal, fecal matter. Form. For sure. For the western part of Kentucky, I would take... Um, you know, they've got that um, nuclear water thing in Paducah. Yeah. So I'd take some of that like, nuclear waste water, whatever's used in that... the treatment of water out there and to top it off i'd go to northern kentucky and i'd let the elder nathan phillips spit in it (laughs) (laughs) that's my devil's milkshake oh man well for good measure why not let the covcath kid uh blow a little 16 year old spooge in it or something okay let him fucking that too yeah catholic come and maybe, uh, yeah, maybe to top it off, just to get Central Kentucky involved, we'd just get some, like, horse cum in there. Whatever's not used to make soap as part of Appalachian revitalization. Yeah, inseminate a horse and then scrape off the shit off the side of the condom glove they make you wear into the glass. Yeah. Stir it up. That's good, man. All right. So three good milkshakes. Three good devil's milkshakes and... McGrath has to choose which one. All she's got to do is drink one, and I'll I'll, I'll fucking do it, you know? Because I've voted for war criminals before. I've done it. Hell, I've made love to war criminals. Every... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't know that one, that's a... You're only getting that story on the Patreon, (laughs) folks. (laughs) Yeah. Good Lord. Um, yeah, I mean, probably almost everyone we've voted for is a criminal. Absolutely. We're criminals, technically. Absolutely. It's just the laws of the land are garbage. These laws are... 
<sighs> but anyways, yeah, she came to Whitesburg and um, she volunteered at the Kane Kitchen. I'm guess I, I know you guys talked about it on the episode last week. The Kane. She's supplying farm-to-table meals for the incarcerated in Letcher County. <laughs> she is, yes. I believe What's she crazy is. What's crazy is she stood, she, on the news, she stood in front of a children's feeding program, very specific, and said, what, what we've really learned here is about the gaps and how our senior citizens just aren't, aren't getting met. We have fucking more senior citizen centers than schools in this county. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I guess most of them have been shut down now, but it's continuing well, education for them. That, that this is the <laughs> this is the Democrats' new strategy. It's like they they understand that young people aren't voting for them. So now it's all. Oh yeah, she has it's to, very. She has to get the seniors. It's contradictory, really. Like COVID puts the elderly at risk more than anybody else but that is the constituency of the GOP and the Democrats and they obviously don't give a fuck about young people it didn't really there is not a lot that makes sense right now it's it's just becoming harder and harder to feel like everything is conspiratorial but I guess it is listen to this speaking of Hal Rogers from a second ago I got an email from him the other day Oh, I got um, an email from Tom Perez I meant to tell y'all about, too. Uh, Hal Rogers is fighting for police reform. Um, while Democrats dangerously <laughs> pursue policies for a lawless socialist nation, and Echo cries to defund <laughs> wow, police. Wow! What? <laughs> we need to focus on rooting out bad actors with badges and rapidly reform weaknesses in our law enforcement agencies to help protect our citizens and our communities. <laughs> That's why I co-sponsored the Justice Act, which would provide the most significant police reform in 25 years through increased training, accountability, and transparency. The funny thing there is that that's all the same things that the Democrats are calling for. What's also funny about it is, like, basically he's calling this police reform when he's just trying to figure out a way to funnel more money into police. <laughs> You're exactly right. Listen, guys, we're going to call it reform, and what that means is we're going to say more training, all this stuff, because that's, like, the code word for, like, how we're going to appease the savages out in the streets, but also <laughs> keep giving y'all more money to, you know, take care of my properties. Right. Yeah. To, get, to take care of my properties. <laughs> Which um, he has many. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that brings me to my next topic of interest I wanted to bring up. Um, so, as I'm sure you all know, um, the federal eviction moratorium has just expired, which is ending protections <sighs> for approximately 12 million renters. Um and uh, expanded unemployment insurance guaranteed by the CARES Act is also going to run out by the end of the month, eliminating $600 a week to millions of unemployed workers, etc. But uh, fear not, because... (laughs) It's not all doom and gloom. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Because uh, the Democrats are on it, baby. They're on it. Um... A new bill from Representatives Ayanna Presley, Rosa DeLaro, and Kamala Harris called the HELP Act um, 
Help Housing Emergencies Lifeline Program will provide funding to those at risk of eviction, get this, not by just giving them the money to pay their rents or make, you know, for further extending the eviction more. Can't do that. Can't do any of that. But what they can do is um, provide $10 billion in emergency solutions grants which would provide funding to states and localities for programs related to things like homelessness prevention and outreach and to give people access to legal representation for if their landlord is trying to kick them out. So basically, what the fuck? they're going to get some money to hire a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's something I've learned about America. It has to benefit wealthy people who are already wealthy. They cannot. They are so. They. This is so diseased. They are just like so morally against giving poor people money. <laughs> I, can't do it. I heard Matt Christman say this one time on that episode of Pot Damn that he did, and that's kind of stuck with me a little bit. Is that lawyers are strictly for navigating like the distance between people and capitalism, and like the way mm. that plays out is like you see joe kennedy saying something like nobody should have to face bankruptcy because of uh covid related health care expenses without a lawyer <laughs> oh my god uh, so it's dear. basically like there your life has no value or meaning unless a lawyer could make a man off of it yeah it's like I no used- surprise this is who runs the country right i used to work for a legal aid nonprofit. It is very much, in many ways, that whole, the expansion of that non-pro- that sector of the nonprofit industrial complex has been a way to bust unions and tenant unions because it, it puts another barrier between you and either your employer or your landlord, another mediation, another form of mediation to compromise... So that both parties win, but you're going to lose. As long as your landlord or boss gets something out of the deal, you lose in the long run. Right. About a month ago, I was in a, like a text chain with a, a like 14-year-old boy in Harlan County. Who <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> I'm a youth organizer, you cunts. All right, about let me finish. <laughs> oh, really? This Youth kid, organizer. this kid is t- caring for his mother. They live in low-income housing in Harlan County. Most of his neighbors who live in the same complex are black. Like he, he is black, and most of his neighbors are, and they are all dealing with the most like insane landlord treatment. His mom's sick. He's trying to take care of her. It was just like a, a, a what's what of everything that could go wrong and and terrorize people. That's what they're dealing with. <laughs> like racism, poverty, illness, just like so much. All on this 14-year-old kid. And they had reached out to one of the nonprofit legal places to help them with a, to get a lawyer. And because there were multiple neighbors needing representation, they were like, "We can. Well, our firm can only represent one, or it's a conflict of interest." They wouldn't. Rec- they wouldn't. Rec- they wouldn't um, represent all of them. <laughs> it's just like 
at every step of the way, and these these are the type of organizations that this bill is trying to send money to. Exactly. It's like every step of the way, life is just harder and more maniacally <laughs> against you, <laughs> even when you're trying to like salt be even be the least bit problem solving. Yeah, it's like that. Well, it's like that Chuck Schumer tweet <clears throat> yesterday. Did you guys see it? So. I don't Trump, follow Chuck these Ch- days. So Trump had that gloriously amazing tweet, um, which said, I'm happy to inform all of the people living their suburban lifestyle dream that you will no longer be bothered or financially hurt by having low-income housing built in your neighborhood. <laughs> it's amazing. He's so goddamn dumb. He thinks that's something you can just say. Well, you can like, just say He can. Yeah. He can. I mean, yeah, he I, 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 mean I know, but I'm just saying, like, that, like, he doesn't see anything sort of like, like, oh, of course everybody wants their property values to go up. Because that's his only context in this life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, like, he, I, I think he really does just, like, every time he tweets something like that, he's like, oh, this is going to get him going. Oh, this is going to get him. <laughs> I just imagine him with this just, like, old, maniacal fucking, D, you know, DQ papaw at this point. See, I think it, I think he just views it through the lens that he's. I don't. I don't think there's a calculation there. I don't think he sees that as anything like wrong. I, don't, I think he sees that just as an extension of his worldview that says that like all these cities in this country are pieces of shit because we got homeless people, like not dealing with the causes of homelessness or anything like that, but just that like it's aesthetically unpleasing and like not conducive to like this sort of opulent, you know, image he's cultivated of his properties or whatever. Yeah, I think that's I think that that's both true. I think they're both true. Um but what I found even funnier than Trump's tweet was Chuck Schumer's tweet. He said, "This uh, is Can I guess? What? Can I guess? Was it something about like we're going to like we're going to make sure there's we're going to make sure that there's low income housing. We're going to make sure that they're pushed to the furthest corners of the city." <laughs> So that they can do their own thing and so that our other property owners can be unencumbered by them, but they can also have their own. Yeah. Was it something to that effect? Uh, it was much more succinct. Um, Conciliatory said, to the people worried about their property values. He said, this is disgusting. Okay. President Trump is actively working to gut fair housing laws and legalize housing discrimination. <laughs> Every American deserves access to the American dream. We will fight this. <laughs> So it's just the exact same thing as the HELP Act. It's just that, like, we're not going to fight for you. We're going to put some things in place to improve your access to tools to help we're you. We're just fight going to fight to create a climate where you might be able to if you do enough. Well, and you know, I think You know, y'all, like, uh, wait. Go ahead. I think often we like stumble into aha moments that we don't even realize until we spit it out here. Or like, you know, we've often predicted the future on this podcast. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And we joke about being tomorrow's people. But the root of so much of our own personal misery coming from nonprofits and then nonprofits manifesting in the police, like this like nonprofit. Um, I don't even know what you call it. Like organism, the whole like the whole thing 
manifesting in the police, like how they're gentrifying neighborhoods, like using nonprofit language and lingo and systems to even make that happen. That's how they think. And, and it's just like it continued. This like nonprofit disease is how they continue to pretend to fix problems to get votes. Well, it's a, it's a function of how they have ceded politics to the technocrats. Everything uh, requires an innovative solution. You know, it's... I mean, there's no actual politics in any of it. And I think that even Bernie and... I mean, Ayanna Presley is one of the co-signers of this bill. Even Bernie and AOC fundamentally don't understand this. Um, which I think just goes to show you how... I mean, they do kind of understand it, but they haven't fully come to terms with the uh, implications of it. Because if they did, I think they would have already spun off a new institution or party or something by this point. Maybe not. I don't know. But it just seems to me that, like, what few leftist leaders we do have lack any bit of political imagination or creativity. And more importantly, bravery. Um, And so that... So, like, that to me is just another function of how bad things have gotten. Like, how bad things have declined. Um, Where not even... Yeah, not even our ostensible leaders are willing to take risks any longer. And... um, And we... I don't know. It really does feel like the Wild West in the sense of, like... I mean, there's... There's no... There's no linkage between us and the people supposed to be representing us. You could say that that's all been an illusion forever, and that's never existed, um, and that electoral politics is you know pointless anyways. But, um, and that'd be fine, whatever. You'd be right, uh, <laughs> but it is interesting to just ruminate on for a minute that there's no one even marginally looking out for your interest. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I watched get, yeah. a s- stupid rom-com last night, and Jack Nicholson act was in it, and he actually had a pretty funny character, even though his character was a, like, corrupt businessman. Whatever, he was, like, pinning his son for his years of uh, illegal business. Uh, business. I don't even know. He, anyway, um, he at one point, he screams... Cynicism is sanity. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> maybe that's what we're clinging to now. It's actually going to keep us sane. Is cynicism? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not been a very easy week for me. Uh, I'm sure for most people, because if you look at what's going on, there's not a whole lot of signs of uh, things letting up the darkest shit man was all those pictures of the school kids getting on the bus with the masks yeah and like going to schools and stuff it's like it literally is like the story of Moloch in the bible almost (laughs) in like a creepy creepy way Monday was a horrible horrible like so much bad that uh with Michelle's sister tested positive for COVID, our fucking neighbors have COVID. Our you know, COVID numbers are soaring. A woman died 
on the floor of our local jail and they still haven't told us what happened to her on a $150 bail. All this learned on Monday. Took in all this info on Monday. (laughs) That shit is insane to me still. Now we had somebody on the fucking cold hard floor of our goddamn county jail that died there like a damn dog and was in there on a $150 bond. Like something, yeah. um, you know, any of us could float, could have floated for her or whatever, you know, if we'd just known about it. It really makes me wonder about a community bail fund here. Well, what, what sucks about bail here, one, they shouldn't be posting bail in the middle of COVID anyway. They should just be letting people go home. But here, they often they're not that low. They're usually really high. And what suck, what's so truly fucked about bail here is that most people here don't have almost people anywhere don't have any cash liquid don't have any fucking liquid like or cash they don't have any money but they might have property that they've like inherited or whatever and but they will not let and a lot of places will let you put up property for bail but not in letter county they most often demand cash and will not take property like putting up property because they don't want it they don't want to end up with somebody's fucking property to deal with even though that's all the wealth that anyone has yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I've talked to multiple people who are like, is this. And we've been, ourselves, have been sort of, uh, I don't know, progenitors or facilitators of this idea that America is in a sort of terminal decline. But uh, the more I think about it, I think that, like, What's actually happening is like we're in crisis, obviously, but like any crisis, the worst people in the world are using it to reconstitute our institutions and norms um, on grounds that are even more fucked up and uh, repressive than before. Because like when you look at the all the headlines that you've seen in just the last three weeks, especially as it relates to Oregon and other stuff. Isn't it pretty mind blowing? Like all of the norm shattering thing, not just norm, but like law shattering. Like I saw this thing about a judge prohibited protesters from going back to protests. Um, I saw this thing about Kavanaugh um, trying to persuade his fellow Supreme Court justices to rule one way or the other on abortion and other stuff. Like, I mean, these are these are things, in one instance it's the First Amendment, so it's a law, and in the other instance it's a norm. But in both instances, it is a case in which the very fabric, institutional fabric um, and social fabric undergirding society is being stretched to its absolute limit. And so um, we are seeing some very qualitative, some very serious qualitative changes in American political life. Um, And obviously that was going to be the case from the minute Trump created this whole new task force and sent them into Portland. But it is interesting to see the ways in which all these like, and here here is the common bond between the Kavanaugh thing and, you know, those protesters being told that they can't attend any more protests. It's interesting to see all these people who, <clears throat> um, for years, 
you know, made their careers off of being these like constitutional originalists, people who interpreted the Constitution for its original meaning and, and being fundamentalists about it. And it turns out they actually don't give a flying fuck about the Constitution. And, and that's a very liberal thing to point out the sort of hypocrisy of it. But I'm just pointing it out from a sort of scientific standpoint, from a sort of, you know, I'm not a liberal or a conservative. I'm a leftist. I'm outside of that I'm process. an independent. I'm an independent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a free thinker. <laughs> Libertarian. But it, you do have to register it and acknowledge that it is happening. Oh, and another thing. Uh just this week to file in those same categories is Trump talking about delaying the election. <clears throat> and again, this is, there aren't rules. There are no laws here. This is all norms. And so it's ask like, y'all a question. <clears throat> ask y'all a question. Y'all think this is trial balloon for a coup coming to, <laughs> you think it's that pro- as prophesied by the writer? Who I guess was just a Google guy, right? <laughs> I th- yeah, I think it was just some tech worker who yeah. had a Medium account. Did Wait, this... tell me that? I don't know. I'm not following. Do you remember, like, the deluge of, like, articles after Trump got elected about, like, all oh, this is, like, uh, creeping fascism and everything else? And, and one of the more famous ones was uh, called Trial Balloon for a Coup. And they called it a head fake. He kept calling it a head fake. <laughs> Trump being elected. Yeah. Well, it was at that time, if I remember correctly, it was the flurry of executive orders that Steve Bannon and Trump had initiated in the first couple of months in office. Yeah. Um, and Believe and, the autocrat was another one of the popular ones. Yeah, yeah. People were writing about how Trump was like the quintessential like, Eastern European autocrat. <laughs> oh, my Victor God. Victor Orban, basically. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, is that the liberals... Because they love the law so much. They love the law. And they love norms. They are correct in the sense that all those things are being stretched and uh, diluted. Um, But they're incorrect in their assumption. Their assumption is that with the right person in there, the right administration, you can write all that. More importantly, their analysis is that our system of tr- checks and balances is so resilient that it can withstand that kind of stress and duress. Well, Montesquieu's rolling over in his grave right now. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, I guess my analysis, and maybe perhaps, I, can't, I don't claim to speak for the rest of the left, but my analysis is that our institutions are, are, are not going to be able to stand that kind of quote-unquote duress. I don't even... I even think that that might be a mischaracterization. Um, regardless, I think that they'll absorb and adapt to that kind of, um, whether you call it duress or input or whatever. Because uh, here's the thing, folks. Um, no matter who you get in the White House, you're still going to have governors like the dipshit in Florida and Georgia and Texas who have made the coronavirus so bad in those states so it's like it's not like you're going to be able to vote out the coronavirus as long as there are dipshits like that still running large municipalities in this nation like we're not gonna be able to escape any of the any of the sort of uh chaos and and uh you know lunacy that has been unleashed 
since the coronavirus started, really since Trump was elected, but I mean, really since the Constitution was written. (laughs) 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 You keep walking it back. Really since the Magna Carta was signed. (laughs) (laughs) Really since humans crawled out of the slime. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I guess the thing is, and in, in, in the my biggest uh, disappointment with people like Bernie and et cetera is like, they just don't, there's no willingness to take risks anymore. There's none. I mean, because, you know, say what you want, maybe a third party would be doomed. I know for a fact it would be. But you still need somebody out there molding a large public narrative in the mass a mainstream consciousness about what's going on and why it's happening. And if the best you can do is Joe Biden, then um, things are just going to reconstitute on even cruder and more fucked up terms uh, for the next time the next Trump rolls around. But I don't know. That's not an original insight by any means. Let me tell you, uh, let me echo that sentiment with a good sports allegory. In the 1999 French Open, there was a sort of a disgraced former world number one by the name of Andre Agassi that challenged a stern but, you know, upcoming young Ukrainian named Andre Medvedev for the title, singles, men's singles title. Agassi got down a little bit in the set, and Medvedev had a strong finish, and I think, I'm not sure, I think Agassi was down either two sets to one or, or two sets to nine. And his coach, Brad Gilbert, and his trainer, Gil Reyes, took Agassi aside and said, Listen, I don't give a fuck if you go out there and this guy beats you 6-0, but you need to let this motherfucker feel what it was like for you to, to play the best player in the world, the best player that's ever existed. <laughs> and that's what we need. I mean, it, more so than victory or anything else, we just have to have people that fucking want to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck it, to, to keep pressure on them at all points, and especially the choke points, man. We don't even have that. Well, you need a movement that it can articulate mass demands, and um, and that's currently what we don't have. I'm, this is not to criticize by any means what's going on, because I not I only... Know. You, you I mean, don't like, feel like Medicare for All has been articulated as a mass demand? You don't feel like that's... like What more could we do to articulate that as a mass demand? I don't know. It has to be in some sort of... Um, I mean, Medicare for all is not happening now. Obviously, well, we, I know, we, I know. That's what that's what I'm saying. It's just like they know that's what we want. It's we not put a, all our eggs in the Democratic Party basket. And here's how they repaid us: twelve motherfuckers voted for it. <laughs> yeah, truly. They. It's just like I just don't think they care. Like I don't yeah, know. Right. I don't know what more. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think that we should necessarily take that on as our fault. <laughs> like these are, like fucking reptilians or whatever. These are fucking psychos. They, like, we have articulated very clear demands. The fact that my mom has heard that and agrees that we should defund the police tells me that we have articulated some very clear demands. You know what I mean? No, you're right. I'm not trying to say that. <clears throat> They haven't heard us. What I'm trying to say is that we need leverage. Yeah. No, we I'm need, with you. We need some way to... Um, I mean, because, like, look, um, 
it's back to what I was saying. Like, no matter who is in the White House right now, if Hillary Clinton would have been in the White House, this virus still would have been as bad. Because when you've got lunatics like Greg Abbott, who have a large degree of power and influence over public health systems in this country, uh, you know, that's the scourge. That's the disease that's going to make the disease worse. And, um, but we don't have anybody to go to bat for us against those people. We just have the streets, which is good. We need to keep the streets and make sure we don't cede it to anybody else. But we need some sort of leverage at the same time. And, and again, I think this is what perhaps Bernie's biggest error was, was he basically forfeited that position. He forfeited that uh, role. Granted, I don't know if Bernie staying in the race would have given us any more leverage than we already have or don't have. Um, But I do fundamentally think that, you know, and this is ultimately a fool's errand, trying to do a what if, but I do still think that there was maybe a two or three week window in March or April where things were so insane before anything had been normalized yet, while sports were still canceled and everything seemed so novel and disorienting that he could have stepped aside and said, we're peeling off from the Democratic Party. Our, our demands are separate from theirs. We want different things, and our constituency and class composition is different from theirs. Um, and but the thing is, I don't, think that would have, I don't think that would have been like, even like a revolutionary gesture, to be quite honest. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, like yeah. I, I think that might have been better received than we even think it would have been. Like having some distance from that now. Well, it had seeing to have like been. how they're how they're treating Medicare for all and all that sort of thing. The reason I say this is because everything's normalized now. We've all normalized the hundreds of thousands of deaths. We've normalized the quarantine and the masks and the no sports and the no and potentially no elections <laughs> and maybe no elections. But for a very break, very brief window there, <clears throat> we hadn't normalized anything yet. Everything was right. still. Like, what the fuck's going on? And that's the fertile ground in which to plant new seeds. And that was not yeah. done. And uh, and I think that was a missed historical opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's pointless now to say shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, and you're right, Tanya. We, we've made our demands known, and they've said, fuck you. We're going to do what we want. Um, I've, I feel like we're surprisingly unified right now. I mean, I know it doesn't always feel that way, but like... I feel like I'm more on, like, I feel like my, I mean, maybe I'm just, like, in a bubble, but I feel like there are more people, like, me and my sister have, like, independently, almost, come into a a very similar, same, like, politic. You know what I mean? Like, we don't live together. We haven't lived near each other. And, obviously, we communicate, but it's not, and it's not just about my family. I just often use them as examples, but it's just... A lot of people are on the same fucking page right now. That I feel. It feels that way to me. You're right. I'm not saying that they aren't. I think you're misinterpreting what I'm saying, Tanya. Yeah, sorry. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And now me it looks, confused. When? Now, Where? Now How? it looks to the audience like you disagree. That I that we disagree. And well, we're trying to take sell side like they always do. And we're say, trying to sell papers here, Terrence. Will you just give in? <laughs> just go along with it, man. We'll finish this out on the Patreon on Sunday. <laughs> in case anybody was wondering, Andre Agassi went on to win the '99 French Open. 
That <laughs> <laughs> may keep you on a cliffhanger there. Oh. Does well, that could we win? Does that is it possible we win? What I'm saying is is that we need to win the nineteen ninety nine French Open. You're right. At all. That's not a big ask. Not at all. It's not a big ask. We game. need to win the French Open, people. <laughs> uh, any well, what else any other news from this week? I mean there was John Lewis's funeral and Bill Clinton basically saying he was one of the good ones. He was one of the good blacks, is what he basically said. My God. He loved to see it. He literally Man. said, we almost went too far down the Stokely Car- Carmichael route, but then John Lewis pulled us back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, why is Bill Clinton still able to show his face in public? Hey, hey we almost went down the Stokely Carmichael route. That is a good question. I mean, this man has been put on public ridicule more than anyone possibly could. Yeah. Hey, we and almost went still. To down the Jeffrey Epstein route. <laughs> what if he had that Freudian slip? That? <laughs> Just disgrace the man at his own funeral. <laughs> I mean, seriously, mm. dude. Imagine Bill Clinton saying that at your funeral. That's my biggest fear of dying. People saying things that I can't control after I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. That can't be your biggest fear. Well, I'll tell you right now, you can just about bet the Mountain Eagle is going to print every awful, <laughs> any, any awful things you've ever done, they're going to make it into the paper. My entire arrest record. And- Rest assured, your arrest records, if you've had a, if you've had a STI, STD, they'll probably print that too. They'll get your medical records, print every fucking dumb fucking thing you've ever done. They can't wait to print. It. They actually, they've already got it topped out, Terrence. They're just waiting on your death right now. That's why, see, I'm a step ahead of them. That's why I reveal it all <laughs> on the podcast. This is how we get out in front of it. That's right. Yeah, that, you can't, the truth will always set you free, or, you know, or not. Or, or <laughs> entrap you forever. Or, fur, or, never, or, or further immiserate you, <laughs> one or the other. They'll never be able to reveal I had a prostate the size of a fucking lemon. Because I'm going to tell them that. I'm going to tell you now. (laughs) You will not hear it first in the Mountain Eagle, by God. My man had a prostate the size of a tournament legal bocce ball, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, There were others that... uh, (laughs) Have you ever cut cut open a stretch Armstrong and the gooey stuff comes out? That's what my man's cum looked like. Listen, this is... Terrence has the best Clinton, and Tom has the best Trump. Uh, Tom, got Tom's got a good Clinton, actually. Tom's Clinton's better than mine. Oh, okay. Well, I've forgotten. Give us your Clinton. All right, hold on a second. Let me lay it on you. I've suffered from something called Peroni's disease for a number of years. <laughs> it's, when the, it's when the plaques harden up in, you, in your penis and causes it to bend about a 45-degree angle. Paula Jones described my penis as a as a uh, a roll of dimes, but <laughs> I was looking like a roll of dimes. But. Tom's leg up here is that he's been around the Clintons. Don't tell That's him. True. It's true. 
It was funny. Drake put a picture on Instagram the other day, and it said St. James is like the place. And it's like, man, the last place you need to geotag yourself if you're accused of mm. being weird with underage girls is St. James. Seriously. <laughs> and not even being accused, there's footage. <laughs> um. Well. Speaking of that, speaking of Drake, did Kanye ever drop his new album? Hell no, that motherfucker never drops one on time. He just keeps he just keeps saying my album's coming out on Friday, but Friday never comes. Right, mm-hmm. three Fridays later it'll come, but he'll have to throw like a big party and give everybody COVID nineteen for it to come out. Uh huh. I was gonna tell something on myself, but we're already twelve minutes over. I don't have to. Yeah, one up. Fuck it. I mean. I mean, um, I've been sitting here doing the Birdman hand rub with this rescue balm for the last half hour. My hands are slicker than a goddamn ribbon. <laughs> well, I, that's actually, well, that's a good layway. I'm so desperate for joy uh, and and something good that, the, and about the only routine I've kept up this year is my tarot and my skin care, my face, like keeping my face face moisturized. So, uh, and I do love Rihanna. Reduce, reuse, recycle Rihanna. And all of those interests, mostly uh, a shred of joy, converted last night when I tried to attend a Rihanna launch party for her new skincare line, a virtual launch party, house party. (laughs) I thought that I was going to tune in and see Rihanna dancing in her own living room or swimming in her own pool and applying her own skincare. I can assure you that's not what happened. And I ended up in a Sims <laughs> in some kind of Gen Z hell. Were you like a, one of those virtual fans that the baseball games have, but in Rihanna's like bathroom while she's like taking a shit? Yeah, basically. It, that's how it felt. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, I can't recommend it. So well, maybe I just pass on the next virtual launch party you know about. Just, uh, just don't bother. No. Although I did order the skincare line. I ordered her uh, moisturizing sunscreen. Note taken. Next time Tanya wants to tell something on herself. Cut it off. Cut I it told off you. And just move on. <laughs> I tried to tell you. Move on to the London Review of Books. The London Review of Books. London Review of Books. Man, I reordered my subscription. They didn't send me none yet. I thought you all were always joking when you said you were looking at the London Review of Books. No, it's... I've been pissing my girlfriend off because I've been like, London Review of Holes. Oh, yeah, my send, God. Send in your holes and I'll review them. Hey, is that coal mine? I'll review it. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn it. He's doing the London Review of Holes again. <laughs> Classic bit. The London Review. Send in your hoes. I'll fucking review them for you. <laughs> well, we're out of time and inspiration, folks. Thank God. We're at the London Review of Holes. So. Thank God. We're broke and our hearts are too. In Rihanna's fucking digital sims hell. It's a very spacious hole. You can live in it. 
you want more hold content, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash trillbillyworkersparty, where for $5 a month, Terrence will keep doing the London Review of Holes. Tanya will keep going to launch parties, and I'll do uh, Bill Clinton asking his proctologist questions. Yeah, and I'll try very hard not to kill this show. Trust me, I've uh, I've tried very hard to kill it, and it's not not been accomplished yet. But uh, uh, pray that I will not be successful. <laughs> not dead yet. Um, Our so show yeah. is out wearing a mask. Yeah, surviving. Make sure you wear a mask. Be safe. Have fun with your friends. Take care Virtually. of one another. <laughs> Dr. Virtually. Anthony Fauci saying that we should maybe wear goggles now. Maybe get some goggles over the weekend. Oh, get my God, goggles. really? Yeah. Are glasses fine? Can glasses just substitute? I think the idea is to cover your tear ducts because COVID can get into your tear ducts you, and find it into your respiratory system. That's all you, Tom needed to hear to wear a got, full fucking face mask, full face guard. You've got to cover your holes. You've got to cover your holes. You've got to cover them. And that's a wrap. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.